This is Sideline Tackle. Hello, everyone. First and foremost, I hope you're all staying safe and healthy out there. Today, we're actually doing something a little different. As I'm sure you've noticed, the beautiful game has been stopped nearly the world over. Of course, there's more to the world than soccer. For example, there's basketball. Here to talk about the league shutting down, as well as Reddit, e-leagues, and celery whistleblowing hotlines, I have special guest Eric Silver. Hello, I'm Eric Silver. I am the head of creative at Multitude, which means I care a lot about podcasts and how they're structured. I am also the co-host of Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses, where we pretty much just talk about the drama and beefs that happen in basketball, the NBA, WNBA, and we don't talk about college because it's exploitative. So with my co-host, Mike Schubert, we just end up digging for all like the fun parts of basketball. And now I can bring that basketball drama to you and you can tell me about all the soccer slash football drama. When they announced that the NBA was going to suspend the league, how did you find out? How did you feel? What was your reaction? It wasn't even the moment when the NBA shut down. It was the moment when there was actually a problem, which they'd call the Gobert game now. Because this guy, Rudy Gobert, giant Frenchman, he tested positive for COVID like right before the game. And it was against the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they were about to start the game. But then all of a sudden, like officials called the game and it got postponed and no one knew what was happening. The announcers and the PA like kept saying, hey, it's not dangerous. Don't worry, but please leave in a safe and orderly fashion. And I'm like, this is so strange trying to watch everyone get evacuated from this stadium because one person had COVID. One person tested positive and then more people on the jazz tested positive. And then it became a whole thing that the state of Oklahoma spent 60% of their tests that they had for that day just on people from the NBA. So like it all kind of like spiraled out of control, but watching Twitter and having people not understand what was going on, and then the people were quarantined in the stadium, it was just really, really strange. And I think that was more impactful about we don't know what's going to happen next more than just the NBA shutting down. Yeah, definitely. Um, The NBA and the MLS, along with the NHL and Major League Baseball, all released that joint statement saying they were shutting down, they were keeping journalists out of the locker rooms, and then it grew from there and it felt like one day to the next it was, we're taking precautions to everything is shutting down, it's all gone. And I definitely think just because it was so fast, a lot of people took a while to internalize the fact that there's no sports, not even just for like, you know, a week or two or even like a couple months. It's looking like late summer, early fall is the most optimistic standpoint. So now that there's no sports going on for the most part, how's the NBA fandom community reacted to that? Because right around this time, it would be when, you know, the NBA would be ramping up and gearing into season. (laughs) My favorite part about NBA fans is that they're very emotional. And I think they also think outside the box. Like, I would say NFL fans, American football, and baseball fans, they're very, like, capital A American, you know, like the way that I guess other countries see us. They're like, yeah, we're going to watch someone hit a ball, or we're going to watch someone tackle each other, and this is the way we've always done it. It's tradition. So with basketball fans, I think they're very, like, open-minded, and I guess they're looking towards the future, uh, especially just with everything that the NBA symbolizes in the changing culture of the United States from 1970s into now. 
people are ready to accept anything, but that means that like they think do take a lot of action with their emotions. So people just kind of melt down really hard. <laughs> like they don't know what to do without any basketball. They just don't know what to do. In fact, I actually wanted to bring you some artifacts from the Reddit thread RMBA, which is kind of like the mixing bowl, like the mixing pot, the cauldron of the ridiculousness of NBA fandom. Brilliant. I'd love to hear it. And if anyone wants to follow along, the links will be in the show notes as well. Uh, I'm going to start with the most recent one. So, well, here's some context, I guess, for RMBA. It's really hard to get into because the moderators are very... Throughout all of Reddit, the moderators are very strict with the rules of how people post on some channels. Some channels go overboard, and especially RMBA, which has a very strict no-goofiness rule during the season. But during the off-season, you had to be as goofy as you want and just post some really goofy stuff. But I feel like the fact that the NBA season stopped, the off-season rule kicked in early, and now everyone got super goofy super fast. So this first one I have for you is... Hey, what would Hagrid average in the NBA? (laughs) From the very first chapter of the Philosopher's Stone, Hagrid was described as being almost twice as tall as a normal man and at least five times as wide. Assuming the average height and weight is 5'7 and 150, I'd say Hagrid is between 11 and 12 feet tall. (laughs) So they got into the nitty gritty. They're really thinking about how would he actually do? Let's break down his stats. Yeah, there's also like this stuff about weight here. There's stuff like the size of your hands, which is like a really big indicator in like scouting about how good you're going to be as an NBA player. And I see this has just short of 300 comments, but it looks like they're really, really diving deep into like, how would this fictional half giant perform in the NBA, which is absolutely fascinating. That that level of hypothetical minutia is something I super love. And I love that that's a thing now in in NBA because that's super fascinating. It's very much the way that an NBA fan or like a very dialed in NBA fan does it. There is this combination of like the stats, but then you just have this inherent goofiness and emotion. Uh, There was another really good one that was like, how much worse would LeBron be if he played in sandals instead? So a lot of just like theoretical goofiness. A lot of these posts are more like a really interesting title. And then sometimes they don't really think about it. It's like they just post it. Like, I thought about this. Do you guys also think it's cool? Because like all the bets are off during the offseason. And then here's peak goofiness. Uh, Zion Williamson is one of the uh, rising amazing rookies. So there's just a post. Hey, does Zion Williamson look like Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon? <laughs> It's like, we need to talk about something. I just have nothing to talk about. Does he look like a cartoon? I don't know. I think that last one perfectly encapsulates how sports fans in general are reacting to the fact that there is nothing going on right now. There's a lot of conversations like that, both on like Reddit and like podcasts, a lot of sports podcasts now because there's no sports to cover or talking about what Marvel characters would be a good starting 11 and things like that. Because yeah, people are just trying to figure out what to do with their time. And I don't know if you've seen these videos that are floating around on Twitter now, sports commentators from different leagues and whatnot, bored out of their mind at home, just commentating everyday things. I haven't even thought about like how specialized your skills are in so many like very specific sports jobs. Like, I guess, what do you do if you're an announcer other than like announce the stuff that's happening in your house? What's interesting now is that for MLS specifically and like American soccer in general, what a lot of people have been doing is doing e-leagues. I think teams and social media teams as well are really trying to figure out what to do when there's 
nothing. And as you said, so much of the sports world and so many people that work in the sports world besides athletes are so highly specialized now that when there is this unprecedented drop off of everything, they're kind of left scrambling. And some of them have come up with really creative solutions for how to fill their time. It's interesting you said this thing about video games because they're doing that streaming uh, with the NBA because, you know, the NBA has this relationship with esports and they're really trying to push like playing NBA 2K as a like esport. But recently they started like a tournament of players playing against each other playing NBA 2K. But it's been going so poorly because the seeding of the tournament is how good they are, how good the player is in real life. Which I'm like, hey, that's not what video games are for at all. (laughs) So, like, Kevin Durant was the number one seed, and he's, like, very good at basketball, but he's not that good at video games. So he got beat by just, like, a young guy who was the lowest seed because he's just better at NBA basketball video games. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is incredible. But, yeah, I think think we're all just trying to figure it out as, you know, as both people that work tangentially in sports media, as well as just fans. There's nothing and there's going to be nothing for a considerable amount of time. And of course, at the end of the day, sports is not the most important thing in the world, but it's something that brings millions, if not billions of people joy. So I think seeing all these people, you know, coming together and like forming communities and like doing match rewatches and watching streams and things like that is super fun. So going forward, how do you feel NBA fans are going to keep connected and keep going with their fandom when, you know, it's going to be months at best before anything comes back online? Yeah, I think that sports media, like big sports media, need to step up and do more interesting stuff. There was the idea that they were going to play horse with some people who are like individually like isolated in their different gyms and then they're going to play against each other. And like it's a kind of fun idea if they end if everyone like really is committed to doing really silly shots. But like that's not that inventive. You know, like we we are now realizing and I think this is kind of maybe the reason why you started your podcast as well. But like the stories and the people in the sport are just as much the thing that brings you back to it than the game itself. If ESPN turns itself into Bravo for like three months, I'm not going to have a problem with that. I want to see them like talk to each other. I want to see them do dumb competitions. We literally just talked about this on Horse, which is coming out on Monday. But we're like, yeah, let's make them do a lot of their stuff. Let's have them talk about fashion. Let's have them talk about cooking. Let's have them like really try to compete because they're so competitive. They're such competitive people. But I don't think ESPN and the, uh, and the sports companies are like thinking outside of the box. It's like this is the first time that someone needs to think creatively instead of just like air the games and i think that they're kind of stuck in a rut and i hope that they start like really thinking outside of the box or everyone of all fans are just going to get bored definitely i completely agree i mean as much as i've been enjoying you know rewatching these older matches these more historic matches you're totally right your podcast my podcast to a lesser extent really focuses on the wild stories of what happens outside of the court the pitch the field And that actually translates pretty well to our next segment, That Actually Happened, which is a segment that you do on your show. That Actually Happened is exactly what it says on the tin. This is a story that we usually talk about basketball, but you're going to talk about soccer slash football. It's just a story that you cannot believe actually happened that's related to your sport. So I'm very excited to hear you uh, hit me with That Actually Happened. So... Speaking of hitting things, 
It's pretty common for soccer fans to get very heated, very emotional, and depending on where you are in the world, that translates into throwing things onto the field and hitting players with it. So there have been instances of beer cans and bottles of bodily fluids and things like that, and that's gross and not okay, and don't do that if you're listening. Please don't try to hurt players. But there are some instances where people just throw food, just food. And in this case, we have from Chelsea FC, their fans have a habit of throwing celery. So this has been going on since the 1980s, about 40 years ago now. So usually it would just be the chance, but, you know, if it was a derby, if it was a very intense match, they would start throwing celery at the players. So 2002, a notable instance, four supporters were actually arrested for throwing celery at Villa Park. So they were arrested, cuffed, taken away. They ended up pleading guilty to charges of throwing celery. And then in 2007, it actually escalated where the entire supporter section was pelting celery against Arsenal, the Arsenal team, the Arsenal players. And it was so intense that they actually had to stop the match. The officials basically put their foot down and said, our players are in danger from this onslaught of celery. So we're going to stop. That's amazing. Because I feel like everyone at the home stadium will be like, no, you cannot bring in celery. Like, we're looking for celery. But I guess when you go to the Arsenal Stadium, they're like, okay, I guess you have some vegetables on you. That's fine. <laughs> so and then, of course, I just like the idea of seeing security, like, pat someone down, be like, hey, do you have any vegetables on you? <laughs> you have to tell me. Interestingly, that is more or less what ends up happening. After that incident in 2007, Chelsea bans celery entirely from their home stadium of Stamford Bridge after they launched an investigation into, and I'm going to quote here, salad tossing. Ah, there you go. That's very good. That was the phrase they chose to use. We'll just let it sit. It's fine. <laughs> so the Chelsea statement that they ended up releasing was, the throwing of anything at a football match, including celery, is a criminal offense for which you can be arrested and end up with a criminal record. Listen, if you, <laughs> you knew the cost of produce, you can't do the crime. If you, you don't do the time if you don't want to do the crime. <laughs> yes. And they also released a specialized hotline for celery whistleblowing. <laughs> oh, that's very good. So there is a dedicated phone number. I'm not sure if it's still up, if it's still active, if this is a problem. Well, it's not a problem now because there's no one in the stadiums. But in more recent years, I'm not sure if it was a problem. But it was such an issue that, you know, they basically had to have all of these measures in place. And of course, it's hilarious because it's celery. It's just super funny to me that they basically have this blanket ban on like, no flares, no weapons, no anything dangerous or anything like that. And then no celery. By goodness, I better not see any celery in this stadium. You can bring other vegetables, but not the big crunchy one. <laughs> not that one. So uh, the UK government also stepped in. They released a statement that I wasn't able to find word for word, but it was essentially the, the same thing of no weapons, no flares, no celery. On the one hand, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that celery, of all things, was the item of choice even with those odd historic connections there. On the other hand, 
it really was a serious problem. Like the players and the staff were put at risk because they were being pelted with celery to like to the point that they had to shut down the game, which I think goes to show the range and ingenuity and just all around madness of the soccer sphere. Now, I'm not questioning whether or not they felt like they were in danger, because if people are throwing things at you, you're definitely in danger. I feel you. But like, how much celery did each person have that it became a problem? Like, how many stalks does each person have? Was it like perpetual? Did it keep happening? How what all these do they keep hitting up to keep getting all of the celery from? I, I don't know the specifics. I wish I did. I tried to look into it. <laughs> uh, I tried to look into it. It was, I think so many people were caught up with the absurdity of celery that they didn't pick up on the on those little details like that, which I would have loved to just dissect and digest. But there are images out there of players holding like, not the chopped up celery stalks that you would get in like an American supermarket, but like big fresh from the garden, entire celery plants. So it wasn't just like the stalks, it was like the the whole plants, which I think adds to the fact that there was a sense of danger, of course, but also the fact that um, these people were not, you know, smuggling in like little baggies of like chopped up celery. They were bringing in full plants. And I assume it was like hidden in their pants and giant pockets and jackets. And it's to be a fly on the wall of that grocery store trip would be fascinating. Everyone's just wearing the same colors and <laughs> be like, yeah, everyone has their scarves on. We're like, yeah, I guess uh, we're all going to the same place, huh? That actually happened. Somewhat, the UK government had to make a statement about throwing celery at soccer games. That actually happened. And I think it speaks to something in sports fans in general. And I don't know what exactly, but that compulsion to have something to throw onto the field and have it be very specific not only hurling beer cans and like gross things like that but also hurling very specific very regional things like that i think says something about a certain type of sports fan yeah a lot of these people it sounds like they're the most devoted Uh, i know that with football hooligans it could be literally anybody but like Nashville is such a hockey town in a way that like I didn't even know and because Tennessee is a hot place it's very strange but like they're very devoted to their NHL team and I think that's like their the need to participate it's however you can to really try to affect the game as much as you can that's how devoted the fans are even if it's to their own their own detriment whether they're getting arrested or the game gets called definitely definitely and I think on that interesting note I think we are good to wrap this up here. Thank you again so much for taking the time to talk with me about sports fandom and how we're all going to survive this. I think we're all going to pull through in the end. If people want to follow you, learn more about you, catch up with what you're doing, where can they go? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Twitter at E-L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-I-L-V-E-R-O. That is my name. If I was a Lucha Libre wrestler, you can also find me on my other shows. So Horse, which I talked about the basketball podcast, but I also have a Dungeons and Dragons show called Join the Party, where we just started our newest campaign, which is a modern campaign modern story told through Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. Uh, I also just wrote a sitcom called Next Stop. The first episode is coming out next Tuesday, the 14th of April. Uh, I'm really excited about it. And you should listen to that and just like 
Hang out. I'm always in your ears in some way. Sideline Tackle is hosted and edited by Leslie Gideon. This episode featured special guest Eric Silver. If you like what you've heard, you can find more of his information in the show notes. Stay up to date with Sideline Tackle on Twitter and Instagram at Sideline Tackle. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new people find the show. If you want more content, sources, and transcripts, visit sidelinetackle.com. Remember, the game has 90 minutes. The rest is up to you.